everyone, Pin Live viewers and readers, <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. This is Joyce Davis, and this is Battleground PA. I am Pin Live's Outreach and Opinion Editor, and we're coming to you with this Facebook Live placing of Battleground PA today. And of course, we have our regular analysts, Rashad Harris and Jeffrey Lloyd, but we've got our other trusted analyst with us here to keep us honest, that's John Cole. So stay tuned and we will be right back with what I know will be informative, enlightening, and maybe inspirational. Hang on. This is Battleground EA, a pen live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Okay, I am back. This is Joyce Davis, Pin Live's Outreach and Opinion Editor. And if you would like to join us, you can do so. Mm-hmm. And send an email to topics at battlegroundpa.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, where we're taping live right now, or you can check us out on Twitter at Battleground PA. So here we go. I want to welcome once again, now my friend, Jeffrey Lord and Rajette Harris, representing the Republicans and the Democrats. How are you guys doing today? Great. Look, when you can talk about and debate some of the difficult and most passionate issues and still smile at each other, that's saying something, right? <laughs> so John- Particularly this year. Yeah, particularly this year. You're right, uh, Jeffrey. But John Cole, it's nice to have you here. Uh, why don't you tell us again about your organization, just so people will know that you are a managing editor of politicspa.com. So again, our website tries to cover everything in the state of Pennsylvania political base. So again, that goes from the state legislature all the way up to the governor, Senate, and everything of the presidential race this year was quite busy. And, you know, there's still stuff we're covering right now, and I know we'll dive into it today. Absolutely. And you know what? We will. That's what we have to start with. We know I've already warned you. We have to start with what's happened at the Supreme Court and what that is likely to mean. And I know Rajat and Jeffrey have their views on it, but let's start with John. John, will you just lay out what you know of uh, that has been the latest development with regard to Trump's, uh, I would say, defiance of uh, what has what people are saying are the election results? So in several battleground states since the election has been, I guess, since the races were called by the Associated Press. And, uh, you know, there were several uh, battleground states that the Trump campaign has tried to, uh, I guess, overturn the results. They've claimed fraud and other things uh, unsubstantiated, at least to uh, this point in time. Uh, Pennsylvania has been going through, again, ongoing legal efforts. We've seen Representative Mike Kelly, uh, Republican congressional candidate Sean Parnell, who lost to Connor Lane and others, challenge uh, the results in the state. Uh, they've gone through, uh, you know, the state court system. Uh, they were unsuccessful there. Yesterday was a big uh, decision in which they went to the Supreme Court. Uh, there was no dissent in uh, their quest of overturning the results in the state of Pennsylvania. And that ultimately, I don't know if it's fair to say that's the fatal blow in all their legal efforts. But I know that was something that the Trump campaign always were hinging upon. They were hoping that the Supreme Court would be the place that they would believe they would get their fair shot. Uh, but again, it was 9 nothing, no dissents in their decision. Uh, striking down their uh, challenge. So at this point in time, it looks like they're running out of avenues. Truly, I mean, I'm sure <clears throat> they can try in the interim, but at least at the current time, that was the latest big decision, and that truly was the biggest thus far. Well, we have said Pennsylvania was going to be key, a battleground, and it continues to be so. Am I right there, my friend Jeffrey Lord? Tell us, tell us your take on all of this. Well, it is, and and I must say, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so. 
you know, I, I am far from an expert on this thing, but I did see something from Jenna Ellis, the president's uh, lawyer uh, in all of this, or one of them at least, <clears throat> that this was not, uh, that the Supreme Court ruling on the Kelly case was a particular kind of ruling and not another kind, and the other kind is still uh, pending here. And, and she was not talking about the Texas lawsuit. She was talking about the Kelly lawsuit. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know, there's more to come on this. So, yeah, but Jeffrey, I know you were telling us that eventually you expected it would get to the Supreme Court or at least an effort, but it looks right. like the Supreme Court is slapping this back. I mean, let's bring in Rajat. Rajat, if you're looking at all of this, are you seeing basically the nails being put on the coffin or what? As far as this election, but this yeah. case could still affect future elections. I was watching an interview uh, last night with Congressman Kelly and what's interesting is they're they're stating that the law for the unexcused vote by mail is unconstitutional um, because the Pennsylvania Constitution does state that there should be certain exceptions to vote by mail. Um, so that's really the essence of their case. Um, the, the court said that while you waited too long, you should have said something beforehand, uh, which is one of the reasons they didn't grant the injunction. But what's interesting to me is the Congressional Republican Party is the ones bringing forth this lawsuit where the state legislature, Republican Party, that controls the legislature. Um, actually, this was a bipartisan bill that was passed in the legislature and signed by Governor Wolf to allow unexcused vote by mail voting. So why the Congressional Republicans see this as unconstitutional, but yet the legislature uh, which is Republican controlled did not is what actually kind of intrigues me. Um, so I'm curious to see how this case moves forward. Uh, because what they want to do is actually change the constitution and get a referendum on the ballot to allow this type of voting, even though the legislature of both sides bipartisanly voted this in. So I'm curious to see how this shapes up moving forward. But as far as this election is concerned, it's 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 done. Whatever whatever happens, I do think we're looking for a battle in the state legislature over mail-in ballots. Well, John, I want to bring you in here because I really do want to step back. I mean, Bridget, um has described the process that uh, to accommodate People like Joyce and Davis, who are too old to go out in COVID-19 and try to stand in long lines and vote to accommodate people so that we would not be disenfranchised during this pandemic. So, And it seemed to me that this was both Republicans and Democrats who agreed to this. Step back and let us know what happened with the mail-in voting so people are refreshed. So Act 77 was passed in 2019 in Michigan. That was a major election reform uh, legislation in the state of Pennsylvania, so specifically for Pennsylvania. It expanded mail-in ballots. Again, I guess we now refer to it as no-excuse mail-in ballots, where I guess previously in uh, Pennsylvania you need to have a specific reason that you'd want to cash your ballot by mail. Um, this election reform law passed in which you had no-excuse mail-in ballots. Anyone didn't have it, neither reason for you could uh, cash your ballot that way. However, part of that uh, election reform package also included something significant that we saw played it. We were pretty sure played a pretty significant role as well in the 2020 results of Pennsylvania was that it also ended straight party ticketing. So as opposed to those in Pennsylvania who were used to going to the ballot box and pressing either the D or the R at the bottom, they didn't have that option this time. 
That was part of, I suppose, the compromise, if you will, back 77, where I think by and large Democrats prior to, um, you know, for the past couple of years, they've really embraced vote by mail. They've been talking, they believe it is a way to incorporate more people into the electoral process. And then I think part of the deal that if Republicans, they wanted to make sure they got something out of it, because, again, there were Republicans who uh, cast doubts about uh, vote by mail. Uh, something they wanted out of the deal, which they did get, was that the industry party ticketing. And maybe that's part of the reason why we saw Republicans down bail do fairly well. Again, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but, um, you know, for the, uh, the treasurer's race and the auditor general's race were both won by Republicans, even though uh, Joe Biden uh, defeated Donald Trump in the state and uh, Joshua Shapiro secured another term. So point being. Republicans did find down ballot. And part of the reason was maybe some of the Democrats were used to voting just straight, uh, you know, straight party ticket. That elim- that was eliminated. And Act 77, like you mentioned, just real quickly, is that uh, when it went to the state legislature, Republicans overwhelmingly voted for it. There was actually more Democratic opposition. However, this was a bipartisan vote. I want to make it clear that a lot of Democrats supported it. But if you look at it, there was less Republicans who voted against it in the state House and state Senate. So it's worth noting that at the time it was passed, it, it had... Um, you know, there was some give and take. Republicans had to give something up, so did Democrats. That was ultimately what they gave up. And now I think what, like Bridget said, moving forward, this discussion is certainly not over for future elections. Because we've already seen Republicans in the state legislature announce that they have plans of introducing legislation to repeal the no excuse mail ballots. Uh, I think it was Representative Jim Gregory in Blair County, I think, already made the announcement that he plans to introduce legislation that will kind of revert uh, the law back to what it was prior those whose mail bails prior to Act 77. We'll see if that picks up momentum. But I think, we, you know, again, for 2020's election, the conversation settled. But for the primaries coming up in 2021, you don't know what will happen there. We'll see what, uh, what's going on moving forward with that. But Jeffrey, I, you know, I want to bring you in here, too, to talk about just not just the whole issue of why shouldn't people be able to vote by mail. I mean, I don't think you were opposed to that as during our conversation. There's nothing wrong with absentee ballots. No, but, no, but, you didn't hear my question, Jeffrey. Vote yes, I did. by mail. <laughs> I want to be able to vote by mail. That's what an absentee ballot does. Yeah, but, vote by mail. But, but absentee is if you have a reason or you're out of town or something. Correct. I think there should be an option, including... No. I'm thinking people are talking about beginning to vote tech- technologically, finding a way that you can vote from your computer, which I think is perfectly fine. Rajette, you want to comment the on potential that? potential for corruption, Joyce, is the reason why. We, we're we a can-do America. We can make it work. We, we don't, I mean, we've got to embrace technology and embrace the new world, the 21st century, uh, Jeffrey. We can't be stuck in the 19th century. I mean, even I'm saying that. <laughs> Rajette, you want to come in here? The, the mail-in voting is another way that more people are able to vote, including people who are sick at any given time or that, or, or have um, physical issues. I mean, what's the democratic stance on this? Uh, the well, this is, this is another, this is another form of voter suppression, actually, to try to get thrown <laughs> out. Seriously. Uh, they try to get millions of votes thrown out just because those votes didn't go your way. And, you know, I just want to keep reiterating that this bill was passed by both houses. Remember, in Pennsylvania, the legislature is controlled by the Republican Party. So regardless of what Governor Wolf or the Democrat Party wanted, this would not have occurred without Republican support. So now that the election didn't go the Republican Party's way, although 
I like to reiterate, this was a great election for the Republican Party, with the exception of the presidential race. But with that aside, because the presidential race didn't go the Republican Party's way, all, all of a sudden now it's unconstitutional. You know, this is the, it's the hypocrisy that voters don't like. You vote for, you're for something until you're not. Uh, that's the problem with, with this. And again, this lawsuit has been before many, many judges, some we, uh, appointed by Democrats, some uh, appointed by uh, President Trump, and it keeps getting thrown out. Again, where is the merit to the to lawsuit? And I know this is going to move forward for future elections. Um, but for this election, something should have been done <clears throat> back in 2019, not after the election when President Trump lost. Jeffrey, you want, yeah, I know you want to come. I, I, yeah, let me just read you some statistics from Georgia. I don't have them for Pennsylvania, but from Georgia. In Georgia, by mail, there were illegal votes from 2,560 felons 66,247 votes from underage voters, 2,423 votes from people not registered to vote, 1,043 people uh, voted who were registered at post office boxes, and there were 4,926 who voted in Georgia after registering in another state. That is illegal. All of it. And but there was an audit and a recount done in Georgia. And I would like to also point out that Georgia is, again, run by the Republican Party, including the governor, who used to be secretary of state and oversaw the election process if in the state of votes, Georgia. And, yes, there are voting irregularities. There has been for years. No one's going to dispute that. But there is no widespread fraud. We even heard that from Attorney General Barr. And I there's not enough you, irregularities to overturn the election in Georgia. I You're going to have to make a vote. Joe Biden. I have Jeffrey is, was this information presented in a court of law amongst judges and lawyers who could debate the facts? And if it was, it must have been turned out. Uh, apparently it didn't hold water because no court has, has accepted it yet. I mean, you've, you've basically lost the argument. I hear what you're saying to us, but we're not sitting there looking at what your source is and able to really go over line by line like you do in a court of law. Why wasn't this sent to a court of law so that judges could do their due diligence and make sure they're protecting us? Yeah, well, I think some of it has been sent. And whether whether the decision has come down finally on this, I mean, there's so many lawsuits out there at this point that I don't know which one this was from, but it was quite specific as to, as to what the problem was in Georgia. Joe Biden's margin in Georgia was something like, I think, 12,000 votes. Well, there was 150,000 illegal votes right okay. there. Let's, let's take a little bit of a break here because we got to do this for our Battleground PM. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. But I really am concerned. I want to bring in John to this because I want to hear his, his, his point of view on what this means for our election integrity and for democracy, our confidence in our democracy. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, that was quick. We're back. John, let's come in here. Look, you heard Jeffrey still reel off all of the irregularities he says happened. My concern is I don't see why this hasn't withstood the, the test of a court of law so that somebody would come up and say, whoa, stop the train. But this really does, no matter what, put a 
you know, it makes you feel bad about our democracy and about our elections. Am I right, John? Are you hearing this from other voters? Uh, absolutely. And I guess one thing to, to piggyback off what Jeffrey said earlier, again, I'm not a lawyer either, so I want to stress that I, I am a journalist, not a lawyer. However, I guess to Jeffrey's point earlier, though, I mean, if, you know, to it's been, there's been so many court cases this has gone through where we're seeing, you know, cases can be struck down in, you know, court after court. And the common theme is that, you know, I mean, there's been even some judges that have been appointed by Republicans. I think it was the Middle District of Pennsylvania, or was it a, a, few, was it a few weeks ago? That made the decision that was a, uh, a, a was it Thomas Brand, I think was his name. He was a former uh, Republican county, a Republican official in the state of Pennsylvania. And that was after that decision, even Pat Toomey, who, again, I know is uh, doesn't have the best relationship with President Trump. I see Jeffrey shaking his head there. Um, I know that <laughs> Pat Toomey's come out with some scathing comments of late. But go ahead. Finish your finish your thoughts. Point being, decision after decision is going against the Trump campaign. And the clock's ticking. Because I think December 14th, the day that the electors are, are given for. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're, it's December 9th today. There's very little time for this uh, to happen. And I think kind of the point now where I think we, we know the outcome of the election, but truly the conversation moving forward is, will people have trust in the electoral process in other states? And again, how will the voting change in states like, again, like Pennsylvania, since that's what I cover for politics PA, will there be some type of reform? Afterwards, will the state legislator talk about this moving forward? I think this discussion in Pennsylvania is not over. Again, for this election, we already know the outcome of Pennsylvania. But for future elections, we truly don't know what's going to happen with vote by mail and other uh, forms of voting. Right. Rochette, I want to bring you in here because here's my concern. I mean, is this setting a precedent? The next time a, a, a Democratic president loses, is he going to do the same thing and just rail against the system and, and stifle everything? I mean, is this setting a pattern for how our presidential elections are going to happen? I hope not. I hope not. I mean, I can see something like that moving forward, um, that that could be an issue. You know, there's never been a whole lot of trust in the system to begin with. You know, as a, as a Democrat Party chair, I come across so many voters who don't vote because they don't think the vote counts, because they don't think the system um, is fair. Uh, this is before this even happened. So I can't imagine um, what they think now moving forward. But I do think there's a lot of partisanship in this, too. It depends on what party you are. I think you're going to have more uh, Republicans say this isn't fair uh, because, you know, we lost. And you might have more Democrats saying, you know, where's the fraud? Where's the proof? Again, there has been, we have been shown irregularities, but not enough to overturn the election. There has been no proof of widespread fraud. And that's what we need to see. And people in the middle are independents, they're probably just going on with their lives right now. <laughs> but I would like to say, yesterday, there are four weeks, I watched the debate between two of the candidates for the special election in Georgia on CNN just the other night. Yesterday, there are four weeks until that special election. Instead of wasting time with all of these frivolous lawsuits, which Republicans usually are actually speaking out against, uh, you need to be focused on that special election, because I know the Democrat Party is. That is really going to set the tone of what's going to happen in the next four years. Well, let's bring Jeffrey uh, here. Jeffrey, we need to start moving forward here in the, in the grief process. Jeffrey, let's talk about this. I, she's talking about the grief process, and you don't, you're not grieving yet, from what I understand. You're still fighting. But, but tell me, what are, I mean, how is all of this impacting as you see Georgia? I mean, I'm really concerned that people in Georgia are feeling like, 
why should they even bother if the system is rigged? You, right? I don't think so. And the re- reason I don't is I, I watched the Trump rally in uh, Georgia the other day. I, I mean, it was you might as well have had it before the election. I mean, these people were ginned up and enthused. And I think they get it that, uh, you know, there's a lot at stake here and they're going to turn out and vote. So I don't think it's dampened their spirits at all. I think they can't wait to get there. And we agree on that. I, I, <laughs> we have to agree with that. No, because Georgia knows what's at stake. They are going to determine the, the power in Washington. Mm. And people understand that completely. I have to agree with Jeffrey on that. Uh, the candidates understand that. You see, you saw President Obama down there. You see a lot of high-profile surrogates of both parties down there. Um, the Democrat Party down there is also riled up. Uh, so four weeks from yesterday, we will see who's going to control Washington. Joan, I want to bring you in, into this. I know we're looking at Georgia, because, but, but also I want to bring, in, bring you in to talk about the lawsuit in Texas. And I'm going to bring you in, Jeffrey, for that, too. But, I mean, Texas has gone and done a lawsuit that includes that basically naming Pennsylvania, saying what we're doing isn't right. Have you got, uh, looked at that at all, John, to be able to comment? I just skimmed it over a bit. So, again, that was breaking news of yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, a new uh, push from uh, in Texas. And it mentions Pennsylvania and a couple other battleground states, again, that I think Trump narrowly lost. So, again, we're seeing this. Again, I, I hate to say, if you just look, I think it's more of a Hail Mary type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, from the, again, those I respect in the law. Again, I, I don't want to stress that I'm not a lawyer, but from those I respect reading their opinion, but it seems as though that's another effort. We'll see how that goes moving forward. This, again, was breaking news as of yesterday. But it's yeah. Pennsylvania and two other post battleground states. I suppose that was a reaction to the Supreme Court's ruling yesterday in Pennsylvania. I think that was another effort to keep this fight going forward. I will yeah. say, I will say that I heard uh, Alan Dershowitz, whom I've met somewhere along the line, and you know, former Harvard uh, law professor and uh, emeritus, and all of this sort of thing, um, say that he gave the lawyers who filed that, or the Attorney General of Texas, an A plus for for effort, but he didn't think it was going to go anywhere either. So I have no idea. But uh, generally speaking, uh, Mr. Dershowitz knows his stuff. Do you have full confidence that uh, the lawsuit in Texas is going to get somewhere this time? I I think it could. I think it could. You know, it's... uh, Before before the the deadline of next week? Well, you know, I, I I would trust that the Supreme Court as it did in 2000, would understand that decision here needs to be made rapidly and and hear it and be done with it what in whatever direction. Okay. Well, I just want to say Ron is telling me I can't stop the Trump train. And I'm not trying to stop it, Ron, for sure. We're just trying to analyze what's going on here and if there is still a train that's coming down the track. Uh, I can't show some of these because you guys still do bad words and we don't want their children that that tune in here including students so we'd like to keep the conversation civil and very high class if we can not not the vulgarities but uh so those that don't curse i will try to put your your thoughts up there uh democrat uh georgia is georgina saying democrat republican this should be concerning to everyone well here's the here's the final i want to ask you before we have to move on to talk about COVID 19 and, and also we haven't talked about Biden uh, uh, and what he's uh, how he's shaping his cabinet. But overall, are we at all worried about our democracy? That's that's my question. I mean, this is what Georgina is saying. 
We all should be worried. How do we get out of this mess? John, John, go, you answer it. And I hope sooner rather than later when everything is finalized, certified, the electors are, you know, decided. I know Pennsylvania certified the results uh, a few weeks ago now. But I'm saying when the electors mm-hmm. are given and everything is uh, so I hope we can come to a point where we can um, realize that, okay, you know, the election's decided, it's over. If there's certain things they believe that need to be fixed in terms of election law in certain states, let the state legislators have that discussion. But let's realize that the, the previous election is at that and, you know, and sooner, sooner rather than later it will be history. But at this current, current time, you know, we're again, I guess, this is the grieving process. I suppose there are still some voters who are, you know, um, uh, upset that their candidates lost. Uh, but sooner rather than later, we need to move forward to talk about future elections and that we still have faith in these because it's a scary thought. But hopefully, not every election moving forward, whoever loses doesn't think it's rigged against them because that's uh, be a really sad state of affairs. Yeah, and what one other thing? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. No, no, I'm sorry. I, said, I just hope that's not the case for whoever loses future elections. I hope that we realize and hopefully everyone uh, regains faith and trust in the process. Just one thing looking ahead two years, I'm taking a wild guess here that whatever happens, this is going to be a huge issue in the race for governor of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who the candidates are, uh, how all of this was handled. Who did what? All of that kind of thing is going to be a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rochette, do you have concerns over the future of democracy? Or I saw you say yes when he talked about it having an impact on the governor's race. Yes, and the U.S. Senate race in two years. Uh, mm-hmm. Two years is going to be a very, very interesting year. As far as your question, uh, no, I don't. Um, this isn't the first time we've been through this, and it probably won't be the last. Again, we have more social media. There's a lot of misinformation out there, especially on social media, which is heightening people's emotions. Um, But we also live in a very partisan uh, country at this time. And we are a divided country. We saw that with the vote totals. Um, You know, we expected a large turnout, but, you know, everyone expected uh, the former vice president to run away with this. And, you know, he did not. Um, but the popular vote and the Electoral College match, and that's how it should be. So in that sense, I think it's positive for democracy. The problem with four years ago was the popular vote did not win out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were upset about that, but we can't say that this time. Um, so I think that is good for democracy that the two do equal out. And, you know, we're going to have to move on. It's not once things are certified, hopefully people move on. There's no choice. Right. We have to move on. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know you say this has happened before, but I'm going to tell you, this sure feels like something we've never experienced before. <laughs> I mean, it just feels like we've never had this level of contention over a presidential race. I'm pretty old. And I just well, that's because of the president, too. I'm uh, President Trump. Nothing has been traditional with President yeah, Trump. That's true. He's the, uh, Nothing has been yeah, traditional with him. And to be honest, I expect one of the readers said the Trump train isn't over. I expect to see this Trump train over the next four years. I don't expect the Trump train to go anywhere. Now, whether or not the media and whatnot continues to cover him like they are now, we'll have to see. But I don't expect him to go anywhere, whether or not he does run again in four mm-hmm. years or not. I expect him to to stay. All right. Well, John, you want to have one more thing, and then we're going to move on to another controversial topic, COVID-19. But go ahead. 
Plus, uh, this is very brief. I guess I think one thing I guess we can all agree on, even though again we think you know the 2020 election's been decided. Uh, there's been reports again, granted, not not from uh, politics. But we've seen national outlets report that Trump has interest in running in 2024. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know definitively yet, but I don't think he. There's. It's very unlikely that he's just going to go. You know, he's not going to be quiet in this uh, current time. He has a lot of people that uh, he's, he remains very popular with his base. And I think you know we will be talking about him for you know the next few years because he very well may run for president again in 2024. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well. Look, we've had a full discussion on this. Jeffrey, I'm sure you do agree that you expect the president uh, to run again, even if it, I mean, but he hasn't conceded yet. Let's just end this conversation on this. Do we expect a concession after, if, if nothing comes of the Texas lawsuit? Jeffrey, I, I, ex- I expect what he'll do is announce for 2024 and just go on. Yes. That'll happen, too. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we have a lot to still watch. There are some people who are saying it's all over, and there are other people on on this uh, chat that we've had the the questions just been coming in who are saying, "God bless Texas." They are holding their last ditch hope for Texas. So, but let's let's move on. Look, we're all concerned about the rise in cases of COVID nineteen. I can tell you, um, I'm just hearing even in in church circles that 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 we're in. So many people are dying and are coming down with with this with this virus. Um, so I think we're bracing, and I don't know if anybody has any information on that. John, we'll start with you. I think we're bracing today for an announcement uh, about potential further restrictions while we try to deal with this virus. What do you know, John? Again, so this was again breaking yesterday. I think it was the Erie Times News first reported uh, that they were citing multiple sources that they think there was going to be, um, you know. Uh, statewide additional restrictions in certain areas. However, we've not seen the governor's uh, office confirm this yet. And according to Penn Live, from a story published, this was uh, late last night, early this morning, uh, the governor's spokesperson denied the reports initially, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. Although, again, it seems as though we're hearing from multiple different sources that they think, not publicly, but again, the Erie Times News, Penn Live is reporting that they are expecting some sort of uh, restrictions uh, coming from a uh, statewide effort, and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like quite yet. If it helps, I, I somebody sent me last night a very detailed version of what this was. And, you know, it's the kind of thing we've been through before. Restaurants, uh, barbershops, gyms. Uh, I mean, it was fairly detailed and extensive. And uh, I was told that I guess at 2 o'clock this afternoon, the governor is going to give a statement and that these uh, are supposed to believe uh, kick in on first week. I was told it's Saturday and then they said, no, it's Monday of next week and that it will last until January 4th. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get confirmation one way or another at two o'clock, I guess. Well, I know Rochette has always been uh, the balanced one who says, let's, let's make sure we protect while we protect our economy. So uh, Rochette, how are you looking at this? Are these going to be uh the restrictions or what's going to happen? Is it going to be as bad as it was before? What are your thoughts on this? Well, the governor has uh, publicly said many times that he would not do another statewide shutdown. Got it. Um, He has said that publicly many, many times. So I'm curious myself to see what these restrictions are and whether or not it's a backdoor way of doing a shutdown without actually doing an actual shutdown. Uh, Because him and Secretary Levine has been very... Um, public about that. Um, so, you know, like everyone else, I'll have to wait and see. 
I do think that our elected officials, again, and yes, I am the balance one, has to be careful on balancing the two, especially a state that just took money from the CARES Act instead of giving it to businesses that they might now be shutting down, used it, used that money to plug budget holes within the state government. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that this is also going to affect the 2022 elections. Um, well, so I do think our ele- elections, um, even during Thanksgiving, uh, we had elected officials uh, close things uh, down for people to spend time with their families, but then were shown visiting their families. Right. You know, that's part, yes. that's part of the problem why people aren't following the rules is because they see, you know, the hypocrisy and some of our elected officials, and we can't we can't ignore that. So, Jeffrey, you wanted to. Uh, I, are Republicans really against restrictions? I mean, I, I can. I'll, I'll tell you this: we have one of our, uh, our our readers here. It says no more shutdowns. But from what I'm hearing, this is really not going to be a shutdown, and that's. But it, there may be more restrictions being brought in. The public gatherings and to are Republicans against having restrictions on businesses like restaurants or bars so that we keep more people alive during this time? I don't think they view it that way. I think they view it as an, a matter of individual choice. Right. Uh, people should be able to run their own lives. And, and certainly, as Rochette has said, and, and I've seen the list, it's fairly, I mean, I was amazed. It's like 20 some odd public officials, all of them <clears throat> Democrats who um, uh, were ignoring their own rules, whether it was the governor of California, the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of Austin, Texas. I mean, that one in particular, the Austin, Texas one really struck me. The guy is issuing an apology for doing what he's doing from his uh, his residence in uh, Cabo, uh, Mexico. I mean, that that takes a lot of chutzpah <laughs> right, to, right. And to, to do that. And of course, we we all went through the Pelosi, the Nancy Pelosi going through. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I right. get it. I agree. Look, uh, you know, John, I don't know how were you. How do you think this will go over if, if the restrictions are, are brought back in? Or how do you, what do you think the reaction will be? I mean, we've seen that COVID cases have gone up statewide as of late. So I mean, it's, again, it's uh, we should of course take this virus very seriously. Uh, but at the same time, I think you know we've been months and months into it, and I think. Uh, to those who you know own those small businesses and such, you, you do have sympathy for those who have been, all those people have been negatively impacted by it through finances and, of course, through the loss of life, which has been very, very significant. Um, if they can, you know, I, I live in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia has some stricter restrictions right now. It's not statewide. We've seen indoor dining has been closed in Philadelphia for the past few weeks. That is until the new year. I don't know exactly how long it will be extended or not, but I know at least in Philadelphia, we currently have uh, some tighter restrictions. And again, we're seeing some additional bars and restaurants have to close their doors for good. So I think it's one of those decisions where even if Philadelphia's made a decision like this, um, we don't know if the state will follow suit. And again, uh, as you, like you're saying with people, I don't know again yet. It, time will tell if they're going to be willing to follow these restrictions. But you hope that to the leaders, the elected officials that are putting these restrictions in place, you hope you, you'd expect them to set the example. Um, yeah. In Pennsylvania, I think to date we haven't seen too many stories thus far of leaders setting these example or setting these rules in place. And not the mayor of Philadelphia, and but well, months ago he did, and that's of course that's a bad look as well. He went to, he went down to Maryland for to right. eat, you know, after, and of course that was a story in Philadelphia, and it should have been, of course. But I'm saying as of late we haven't seen anything in Pennsylvania. But again, if there's additional restrictions in place, 
you better hope that the leaders follow these because, like Jeffrey said, there and we all can acknowledge that it's a terrible precedent to set. You want your constituents to follow certain orders, but then you're going to go off to an extravagant dinner here or travel there where there's uh, less restrictions. That you know would really be it would set kind of a, an example of rules for thee, not for me. I see off to the side that uh, Jessica has said something that I think is going to stick in people's craws if this happens, where they shut down small businesses, but they allow the big box stores, the Home Depots and Walmarts of the, of the world to remain open. Um, I think that's a sore, a sore point with a lot of people. And it has been. It has been a sore part since the very beginning. Um, that has been an issue. Uh, when we did have the shutdown back in March, if you remember, a lot of the small businesses asked, well, I'm a hardware store, so why do I have to shut down? But Walmart doesn't. Which is why I don't expect the governor to do anything that would be a complete shutdown. Um, first, because he publicly said so. And two, if you remember, um, our order general, Di Pasquale, even did an audit on uh, the waivers from before and show that there was inequities. And that's coming from a Democratic order general and way those waivers were giving out. So the, that system would definitely have to be relooked at if there was another shutdown. Well, but I wouldn't be surprised to see restaurants closing because if you think about it, the governor did that the evening before Thanksgiving. Uh, there was no alcohol at a certain time. I believe it was 5 p.m. Right. So I can see him doing something like that, especially as we get closer to New Year's. Right. When people do like to be out and about. You know, Chuck raises a very good question. And Chuck, again, we are not, I want this to be very clear, it does not look like there will be a shutdown. Meaning, right. so so please, let's be as clear as we can. No shutdown. But there could be additional restrictions, meaning you have to sit farther away or fewer people can be in it in a restaurant, or maybe for a certain amount of time, restaurants will close. But he raises a very good point, and that is if we do shut down, which we won't, a lot of small businesses will go under. How are we to survive when it takes months for PUA or unemployment to answer your back and to get you going to get in here? Chuck, that is my mission. I, I have been in contact with the unemployment office on behalf of many of our readers, and you're right, but I'm going to tell you that I think they're on this. They're trying to get uh, these these lines answered. It is a right for you guys to call, give a number to call, and the line stays busy and no one's answering. But they are aware of that. I've been in contact with them, and they are looking to provide more support for people. But the bottom line is, Regette and Jeffrey and John, we need a stimulus. We need to help these people. If we're, if we're in the middle of all of this, why can't we get together? And when I say we, I mean our elected officials in, in, in Washington and all to help people. Jeffrey, what's well, going the on? Well, the thing that got me was Nancy Pelosi saying the other day that now that the election's over and we have a new president, uh, it's okay to pass the stimulus. <laughs> yeah, You know, in other words, she held it up deliberately so that Trump would not get any credit before the election. That's that's not that's not completely honest, Jeffrey. <laughs> Come oh, yeah. on, Congress Congress passed. Do you think Mr. Project and a couple other stimulus package way back in the summer? Now there's two sticking points. Even now with negotiations, the Democrats want money to go to local and state governments, and the Republicans want that liability um, 
for employers that they can't be sued if someone gets it. That seems to be the sticking point at this point. Uh, so with everyone the, agrees on the stimulus. It's just how the money would be allocated. John, is that it? Yeah, and it also seems as though there's been different bipartisan pieces of uh, legislation going forward with COVID relief. I think Senator Bob Casey was actually involved in one of those supporting that. I think there was a, a group of uh, senators. I think it was like Senator Joe Manchin. There might have been a few Republican senators that may have been uh, on the moderate side that may have been backing it. But it's interesting because, again, we don't have a clear, uh, we don't have anything set in stone yet, but there's some Democrats on the left wing of the, you know, the progressive wing of the party, your Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, I think Senator Murphy as well, that were pushing for more, uh, in their minds, an ambitious uh, package that would provide, I believe, more funds. And it's interesting because we're seeing some different combinations, or at least reportedly, that like a guy like Senator, uh, what's it, Hawley, down in, um, Missouri. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Jeff, he, Josh Holly. Josh, exactly. And we've seen that he seemingly is not exactly gone, not in lockstep with Senator Sanders, but he seemingly thinks there's room for common ground that they can provide more direct uh, cash to the American people. So, again, this is still an ongoing conversation. We truly don't know what it's going to end up yet. Again, we've seen a bipartisan effort in the Senate where we've seen some of uh, some members come together. But then again, we've seen some of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party push for more. And we've also seen some conservative Members of the Senate also say this is too much or we don't, uh, you know, we, don't, we can't agree in these, um, uh, this bill either. So we're, this is still up in the air. So it's going to be interesting to follow who, who, what the compromise will be. Because, again, not, not everyone's going to get everything what they want in this right. bill. But right. I don't think uh, that there are a lot of senators and congressmen who want to go home for Christmas having not done something. But the problem is you have to be willing to take the politics out of it. And going back to our earlier conversation, instead of filing all these lawsuits to hold something up that's decided, let's work together to get a package together. Because one thing I do agree with the more progressive wing of the Democrat Party, if you're going to continue to put restrictions on these small businesses, or in some cases, in some states, like in California, I believe they are doing another shutdown, then you have to keep them afloat until you reopen up or you release those restrictions. It's not fair to do both. That's my argument. Although Jay Milo raises a good point. Stop paying these politicians who do absolutely nothing but take recess. Maybe that, if they don't uh, help these small businesses. Maybe they shouldn't be paid as well. I agree. I agree with that. I'm for that. <laughs> right. But but look. Um, Unanimous. <laughs> yes. Is this Who going? This to, I mean, here's the thing. How do you pay for this? Look at Cole is saying at a bare minimum, COVID-19 relief should include 2000 per month in direct relief for individuals until the end of the pandemic. I mean, here's my concern with something like that. I hear what you're saying. You need to help people. How do we pay for it, Jeffrey? This is when I start siding with Republicans who are fiscally conservative. Yeah. Simply digging a hole for our future. I don't know. What do you I know What we do is we raise Cole's taxes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There no, you, go. you get rid of wasteful spending and money that goes to these legislators' special projects in their districts, which keeps them getting elected, which keeps getting them elected. Mm-hmm. There's the money is there. It's it's funny how people how they continue to find money for their pet projects, but we don't have money to help the American worker. And the you know, this is of- this is this is the problem with Washington just in general, is that when people say they want to like Joe Biden is but the latest in a long stream of people when they say they want to raise taxes, what happens? What 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 that really means is they raise the taxes, and then dole it out to their special interest friends. 
uh, which is one of the reasons why I believe in tax cuts so that people can keep their own money instead of having it siphoned off and given to some special interest on K Street. I mean, that's what happens no matter who is president. And, but, I, you yeah. know, but, yeah, but it's yeah. not fair, though, when you have loopholes where uh, very, very wealthy people say the owner of Amazon hardly pays any taxes or doesn't pay any taxes at all as well. So, you know, there's two sides to that coin, Jeffrey, that you can't ignore. Well, but there aren't that many, quote unquote, rich people in this country. Um, you know, it's not like we have. Well, I don't know. Look at the finance reports of this past election. We don't Honestly, have. We, have a, we, could, we could have given out stimulus package based on the money <laughs> spent on the elections this year. We have about 330 million people in America. I don't think we have 100 million billionaires. Oh no! But the ones that we do have should be paying their fair share of taxes. That's the argument that we Democrats are making. What's done with the money? And I can tell you, it goes to special interests. So, so we agree that there should be help for people. We agree on that, right, John? Everybody's in agreement that somehow we should find a way to help our businesses, especially our small businesses, and help our. Now, here's the thing for all of you. I'm going to leave you, and and I'm going to bring John into. I mean, I'm concerned that uh, beyond all of this, we're entering a holiday period. We're looking at people not having money, people losing jobs. I mean, the bottom line is that people are suffering and unable to find food and and to keep a roof over their head and all of that. Isn't that likely to backfire on somebody? I don't know if it's Republicans or Democrats, but people are going to start getting angry. Right, John? I mean, you could already make the case that the pandemic had an impact on the 2020 election. That question that it had. And again, I'm not saying for, you know, I think you can make the case that some Republicans in office lost and then some Democrats in office also lost due to their handling of the, the virus. So I think it's already had an impact. And I, again, uh, time is of the essence. The longer we go without another uh, stimulus p- uh, package. And I think what was that in the spring? Was that passed previously? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The direct yeah. Payments for people. We've been going. And again, the pandemic hasn't gone away. It's still here. The yeah. death, so again, we've gone months and months without this. And um, again, speaking as a journalist, and again, I know that the conversations are at least happening in D.C. about this. However, when is this going to get passed and what's the agreement they come uh, they agree upon is truly the big question now. Is that, again, will it be something on, uh, you know, will it be direct, uh, direct cash payments uh, on the larger scale towards people? Will it be more towards the state and local governments? We don't know yet. But at least we know that it's being discussed as a priority. And hopefully, no matter what the deal is, I think we can all agree, hopefully sooner rather than later, there's some type of compromise or something passed. Because, again, like you said, there it's been months and months since the last uh, you know, relief package for this. And people are hurting financially. And, of course, it's, it's a significant loss of life as well. I don't want to... But, you know, but what I'm hearing from all of you as well as from some of our readers is that, unfortunately, until our legislators, until the people, the elected officials, feel the pain themselves, they're not sharing. They don't get it. They don't get why they have to act and act soon. Am I right or wrong about that, Jeffrey and Rochette? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I I, I have long felt, particularly after working there, uh, that that members of Congress, um, well, and the president, but generally speaking, presidents are pretty well to to do they may not be billionaires like donald trump but they're they're doing pretty well but members of congress who represent all these folks should feel the pain and they don't they're very very insulated 
right? And a lot of time they get rewarded for doing nothing. I mean, here in Pennsylvania, every single incumbent uh, won re-election. And I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. But most people, once you're an incumbent, it's hard to it's hard to get out because again, they bring back pet projects to their district, and then we have situations like this where nothing gets done. So a lot of times you continue to get rewarded, uh, in my opinion, for for bad behavior. Well, I think you know, it's, it's easy when you're it's easy when you continue to get your paycheck and you're able to right. work remotely and work from home to say, you know, just stay home, just order DoorDash. But right. not everyone is in that situation, and you need to think of you need to think of those. And the majority of Americans are not in that in that situation. Put some restrictions. And it's them the hardest. Put some restrictions on their pay. And do term limits. There you go. There you go. So, so guys, let me, the final thing I want to end on, because we are coming to the end of our hour, and that is, I don't know about you, but I'm bracing for more social unrest. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been another young black man in, in Columbus who's been killed in circumstances that seem to be tragic. Apparently, he went out, someone with no criminal record, who people described as a really nice, kid, young man, 23 years old, goes out, brings back and goes to the dentist, brings back sandwiches uh, for his family and basically falls into the doorway having been shot by police. Uh, this is developing now. It's breaking. And uh, I'm going to tell you, when, when I look at something like this, I just, my heart breaks because here's another life. Here's another uh, allegation of police brutality. And what we're going to see, I hope, is more people out on the... Uh, I mean, I hope no one else gets hurt. But we're going to see, I think, more demonstrations, more protests, more unrest. Uh, I don't know if any of you are aware of this. I want to comment on it, but I, it, it is concerning for our country. The only thing I wonder about, Joyce, it, just seasonally speaking, yes. um, if it's freezing cold out there, whether that will literally, you know, of, of force calm things down because people may may be upset, but they're not going to want to freeze to death. I just want to remind people that there's an election every six months. And then here in Pennsylvania, next year are local elections. So your mayors, your city councils, um, your township commissioners. And what do they do? They hire your police chiefs. They're over your police forces. So, you know, the 74 or 140 whatever million people who voted this year for the presidential race, vote for your local elections because they're the ones that deal with these issues on a on a more intimate level. But those are the individuals that we need to that we need to speak with. So the next march needs to be in six months to the ballot box, at least here in Pennsylvania, at least here in Pennsylvania, to vote for your mayors, your city council members. Talk to them, tell them what's going on in your cities and what changes you need made. You know, the American voter has more power than they think they do. Well, yeah, we need yes, to yes, John, empower them so we know that. Right. And yet, John, I think there have been calls that maybe we do need some sort of national standard for policing, some, something that is not just controlled by, you know, the local areas, because sometimes we see you can have good police in one area and horrible police in another area. Yeah. But you can't enforce it, though. That's the problem. And sadly, I think one thing I wanted to add to Rajat's point is that, you know, the, the voters do have power, and I certainly agree. Um, we just saw record high turnout in the November presidential election. Um, when the, in Pennsylvania specifically, they actually announced that it was a record high turnout in votes 
cast in the state of Pennsylvania. I think dating back to I forget the exact year. And then they also announced the high, the voter participation rate was also an all time high in Pennsylvania. So we saw record highs in the state, and sadly, again, we I, um we don't know exactly what's going to happen in, uh, for the primary. But sadly, we just know that in these primary elections that are not presidential years, voter turnout drops significantly. And um, again, I don't, I can't see into the future. I don't know if it will be as low. Hopefully, the momentum stays up. Hopefully, people realize that every single election matters, no matter what the office is. Like Bridget said, there's your local officials. They mean they mean a whole lot in your your lives. They're the ones that you, they're your neighbors. They're the ones that you can see and you have more direct contact with. Quite frankly, um, I hope people realize that those elections are important. And don't sit it out, no matter who they're voting for. That's again coming up in just a couple months. Again, that'll be uh, in the spring of 2021, and those races are very important. So I hope people do not. Uh, sit out. Hopefully, they decide. They realize that it's just as important as a presidential election, even though it might seem that it isn't. It really is. Well, I think we have a long way to go, unfortunately, to helping people to understand how important these local elections are. And I guess that's that's just some creativity that's going to have to be marketing or something that's going to have to convince people they have to turn out, not only for the national but for the locals as well. So, I, you know, I guess we're going to have to either leave it here. We have a, a full hour that we've, uh, but I want to just um, maybe just get you guys to end on, on one note of where we see things headed. I, I'm concerned about the, the unrest. And someone mentions, uh, stop, don't make it racial. I'm afraid, darling, it is racial. <laughs> when they get out there, they're going to see that more black people are dying at the hands of police than are any other people. So that's going to be an issue that's out there. And I'm afraid we can't ignore the racial issue as much as it may be uncomfortable for you. I, I get that. It's, it's, com- it's not comfortable to talk about it, but it's a fact of life in our country. But as we go ahead, as we move forward, where do you see each one of you things heading any way you look at it? Okay, just where do you see us going in these next few weeks? Jeffrey, you want to start with? And I'll well, let you it, if uh, everything you're, you're saying about this breaking story, I would think that Senator Tim Scott's police reform bill will become relevant again. Uh, why that wasn't passed in the first place uh, is beyond me. I, I would have thought that's something everybody could agree on. Uh, so probably we'll get back to that. But, uh, you know, between, between COVID and Christmas, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not too hopeful that things are going to get uh, get done as they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rajat, where do you see things going? Well, nationally, the spotlight is going to continue to be on Georgia. Um, I expect these lawsuits to continue on. And um, President-elect Biden is going to continue announcing his uh, cabinet nomination picks. And and then Georgia will determine how easy or hard it is to get them actually approved and voted in. And overall, are you happy with how things are going so far with the elect, with the cabinet pick? I'm not surprised. Um, He's been um, in politics and government for a while, knows a lot of people, and he's bringing together an experienced and diverse team to work with him when he gets to Washington. Let's make sure we let uh, Jeanette, Jeanette have her fraud, fraud, fraud. That's not true. You're a lying Joyce Davis. Okay. I want you to make sure I put that out there. So, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. And, and John, why don't you have the final say for us? I guess just to bring it to Pennsylvania again, uh, from what I cover, um, something to look forward to or, you know, that we're going to keep an eye on is that uh, we'll see how the discussion about 
uh, voting moving forward is, again, how it progresses in the state legislature. Is there anything, is there going to be any type of reform beyond this? Is this just uh, sour grape, perhaps, from people who didn't like vote by mail and they just want to uh, repeal? We, de- we truly don't know. But it's something to keep an eye on in the state of Pennsylvania. And by the way, I know this might sound a bit, again, don't do not ignore 2021 primaries are very important. Whether you're in, I know in Harrisburg, there'll be a mayoral election. Um, I think there's going to be one in Allentown as well. Quite a few big cities, not in Philadelphia, but there's a district attorney's race here. That's big as well. But point being, there's some of the big cities and townships, there's big races. And believe it or not, 2022, um, if you notice, uh, some of those state, uh, statewide figures have been on TV a little more frequently as of late, if you've noticed. <laughs> I think they are certainly positioning themselves for statewide runs, whether it be for Senate or governor. Because, again, 2022, I know it sounds wild, but you know, the campaign will be beginning for that before you know it. So keep an eye. Just all I'm saying is if you watch national TV, never recognize some Pennsylvania faces on there a little more frequently. I think we'll Well, you know what they say. The, the, the next election always begins the day after the last one. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. Certainly for President Trump, it's beginning again. So with that, I want to thank our analysts. I want to thank Jeffrey and Rajette and John for joining us for what I what I think we, we kept our promise. It was an informative. I don't know about inspirational. Maybe we didn't do enough inspiring people. But uh, you know what? Let's all try to pull together and be safe during these holidays. And um, and again, keep your eye on what's happening. It's never a dull moment these days in national or in local politics. So with that, I'm going to say thank you, especially to our polite uh, readers who offered thoughtful comments. And of course, to our always polite analysts. I will see you guys again next week. Same time, same station. In the meantime, stay safe, be careful, enjoy the rest of your day.